Try and go. Invisible poverty are criminalized, and punishment will be swift and brutal. At least 12,000 Canadian military, border agents, RCMP, VPD, and CSIS forces will descend on our city, and Uncle Sam will have free reign as usual. Olympic countdown, the clock is running. 2010, winter games are coming. Welcome to the true north, strong and free, where you can get away with murder if you're RCMP. Five rings of excellence or links in a chain. They'll make a fortress from our city of rain. Clean out the east side like the days before Expo. Evict you from the hoods with nowhere to go. No Olympics lost Not housing in schools, buying bobsleds Not books or medical tools A big police state, the Olympic legacy Poor priorities for such a rich society All the CEOs say, go for the gold Environmental costs will never be told Housing athletes in luxury for just two weeks But never the thousands that share in the streets Games of 36 celebrate sport, never mind the politics. Crowd on the podium while they plan to blink it. It'll be different this time with Quasi Suma and Menga. Decades later, taxpayers are on the hook. And all they'll remember is it disfigured enough shook. The ticket's so expensive that none of us can go. But with global warming, there won't be enough snow. No The party is over! The 
five-ring circus comes to your town. Will you cheer like a good puppet or stand up and fight? And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show that was right there, legally blind, with no Olympics on stolen land. Brand new from Legally Blind, and they're playing tonight a May Day celebration at the Maritime Labor Center, 1880 Triumph. That's tonight, Friday, May 1st, by donation. Band start at 8 p.m. Again, Legally Blind with no Olympics on stolen land. Today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show, a chronicle of Nardwarta Human Serviette versus Chris Novoselic, and a brand new interview with Chris Novoselic, Chris Novoselic of Nirvana. We'll be phoning and Flipper. We'll be phoning into the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show in about an hour, and we're trying something new today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. Twitter, Twitter.com/slash Nardwar at Nardwar me if you have any questions for Chris Novoselic, or you can phone in 604-822-247 UBC CITR. So to recap, what is going on today in the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show? Chris Novoselic interviews that I've done over the years. The first one we're going to play is from March eighth, nine. 1991. Right after that, we're going to have an interview from January 4th, 1994, and then an interview from May 20th, 1999, all with Chris Novoselic, and then a brand new interview from May the 1st, 2009. Chris Novoselic is going to be phoning into the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show. So here, right now, from March 8th, 1991, is an interview I did with Chris Novoselic. If you have any questions for Chris Novoselic, 604-822-2487 or Twitter me at Nardwar me, twitter.com slash Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, March 8th, 1991. You're listening to CITR Radio, and uh, we have a su- surprise phone caller here today. Yeah. Caller, who are you? I'm Chris from Nirvana. <coughs> the rock group Nirvana. The rock band. Nirvana. Why are you in Vancouver tonight, Nirvana? Because we have a show. Is this your first show in Vancouver? No. Of course not. You played the last time here with Sonic Youth. Right on, man. Yeah, we played with um, Sonic Youth, and then we played before, too, with Tad, the band Tad. And so this is your third time in Vancouver, British Columbia, then? Right, right on, brother. No, the rock band Nirvana from Seattle, Washington. Anna, Anna. We're from Tacoma and Olympia. Tacoma, Olympia. Tacoma, home of the Girl Trouble? Home of Girl, girl Trouble, home of Girl Trouble Sonics. In, in, Inspector Love? White Trash. Inspector Love and the Ride Me Babies? Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> so when you were hearing you were coming to Vancouver, British Columbia again, Mr. Nirvana, Chris? Mr. Yeah. Nirvana, Chris? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do many guys in sub-pop bands have the name Chris? 
No, I don't know. How many are there, Chris's in, in on, on? Well, I, actually, I should say, should I say Geffen bands now? Yeah, Geffen bands. What are the What are some Chris's in well, Geffen well, bands? A- Axel's real name is Chris. Flash's real name is Chris. Uh, Cher's real name is Chris. John Auer from the Posies' real name His is. His name is Chris. So are you getting, uh, being Nirvana, you've been linked up together with yeah. the, the, the big friends, the Posies. Yeah, right on, right on. Who, who are Bleach? Who are Bleach? Well, Bleach has many uses, household type thing. You know, you could like uh, clean things with it and you can mix it with ammonia and totally pass out and see God. You know? No, Nirvana, it's been quoted that the screaming trees like Nirvana. Do Nirvana like the screaming trees? We love those guys. We love those guys a lot. So it's going to be such a good show tonight that people are going to be turned away at the door. That's too bad. I hope not, you know. Who gets I'm praying for each and one of those souls. And I mean, we're having a prayer circle outside. We're hanging our heads and just saying, God, if you're going to pull through, let everybody in. Because, you know... Who are the Doughboys? They're these guys from uh, Montreal, Canada. And, um, no, is, is it true that you met them the other night? They told me that you met them the other night. Yeah, that's right, in Calgary, Calgary, Alberta. And, they, and you had a coffee with them? No, we smoked cash in the hotel room. Are drugs bad, Nirvana? No, 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 drugs are the key. Remember the burning bush in Moses? Ha-ha! Everything else is just cruising. As I said earlier, Moses, did Moses spill his seed? I don't know, man. You know, the seed of love, you know, plant the seed of love and, and you watch the tree grow, right? <laughs> so when you were here when you were coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, what was the first thought that popped into your mind? Wow, gee, we'll be headlining us, Nirvana, that's great. No. We're headlining? Screaming trees are headlining. But I mean, was that your? You all you knew I, that? Uh, mm, Canadian beer, all right. And that's good. High high alcohol call call content. How about when you have you ever been to the Commodore Ballroom before? Never. Have you ever? Have you been in there yet? Yes, I have. How would you describe it to the listeners? Springing and springing. You can jump up and down when you pogo. If everybody like pogos collectively, the whole floor just because this floor is like a springy floor. It's amazing. Is there a word that Nirvana likes to hear when they're playing? Yeah, fuck you. And, uh... <laughs> it's a constant stream of that? No. No, we get... What do we like to hear? Anything, really. We like to hear, we'd like to hear your comments. So write to Nirvana, P.O. Box, blah, blah, blah. You don't have... Where's so your P.O. Box? It's on the back of the record. There, but the record's out. Yeah, Bleach Records. Now, the brand new Geffen record? Yep. Geffen Records coming out in June or July. Now, isn't there a Vancouver band that's going to be on Geffen? Really? Yeah. There's a lot of bands on Geffen. Why the hell did we even go there? Isn't there a Vancouver band going to be on Geffen? A band that you just love the ashes of, don't you? Who? You know those guys from that band Slow from Vancouver? Their new band Copyright? Aren't they going to be on Geffen, Chris of Nirvana? I don't know, man. Don't I don't keep tabs on Geffen. You don't keep tabs on your label mates? Well, we're, we're new to the place, and we're just kind of assimilating ourselves and don't want to step on any toes or anything. And we're talking good about anybody, whether we like them or not, because that's the kind of the way the industry goes, brother. You know? So, hey, we'll do lunch tomorrow. And, uh, how you many, know... Uh, no, when you go into 
about this bill? Who gets the sound check first? Screaming Trees, Nirvana, you know, Dope Boys oh, Longs? Oh, leave that to the sound men, man. People get paid to worry about that stuff, you know? I just kind of show up and do what I gotta do, you know what I mean? And what could that be? What sort of vintage instruments do you play? Oh, man. Well, we're gonna have a total spread in guitar world. It's just going to be, for me, I'm going to be on the cover of it. It's going to be the vintage instruments of Chris Novoselic. And where I'm going to be playing a, uh, uh, a classic collectible of guitar worth $10,000. A Hosner Batman-type looking guitar? Yeah, yeah, there you go, with all these Vegematic knobs on it and, and a, a built-in fuzz. So really, now what is Vancouver known for, Chris, of Nirvana? Oh, oh what is Vancouver known for? Lover boy. Uh, no left-hand turn lanes. Um. <laughs> and you ask me what is Seattle? Expo. Expo 86, invite the world. The invitation right. still stands. That's why you're coming back. And now ask me what is Seattle known for? Uh, hmm. Ask Most me. Most city in the United States. No, ask me. Oh, what's Seattle known for? Say, what's Seattle known for, Nardwar? What's Seattle known for, Nardwar? Um, Seattle's known for Queensryche. Queensryche? Yeah. Are they? That's right, yeah. Or is that totally I wrong? I forgot about those guys. Yeah, whatever, you know. Everything could be put into perspective. And what are Queensryche doing today? I don't know. Singing their songs of love and hope and charity. And they're talking straight to you and me. And what are Loverboy doing today? They're doing the same thing. Well, I heard that they've moved to... They've adapted a monast monastic... Uh, a monastery or whatever. Actually, you can buy... You can buy Loverboy postcards uh, in L.A. In L.A. Really? In L.A. L.A. Vancouver. You know now, anybody who has like a Mike Reno headband? I know where Mike Reno lives. He lives in in, in North in West Vancouver, British no Columbia, Canada. Way. No you way. You can go to his house and say, Mike Reno, Mike Reno, Mike Reno, Mike Reno. And when he comes out of the driveway, I was yelling. Actually, I was yelling, Paul Dean, Paul Dean, Paul Dean, Paul Dean, Paul Dean. And it was really Mike Reno. And I, ye and when I yelled over to him. I said, were you in Loverboy? And he means, and he, and I said, I said, yeah, I said, I said, were you in Loverboy? And he yelled back, what do you mean were? He's still in Loverboy. Mike Reno. Damn right. See, I, that I, was a faux pas. He shouldn't, you know, he probably will never forgive you. And you know what, Chris of Nirvana? What? You know Paul Dean of Loverboy? Yeah. The guitarist, Paul Dean from Vancouver? Uh-huh. Managed by Bruce Allen, who's been on this very phone line that you've been on. <gasps> Bruce Allen? Bruce uh, Allen from Vancouver? Um, Paul Dean of Loverboy said... Keyboards are sort of like condoms. You should only use them when you have to. Do Nirvana share that sentiment? Uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah, we do. Or, or, yeah. or would you say, Chris, if... We use them like diaphragms. We just, like, leave them in for a few days at a time. Or would you say, Chris and Nirvana, would you say that um, a second guitar is sort of like condoms? You only need them when you have to? No, we might pick up a second guitar player. We had one for a while. And what happened to him? Oh, long story. Oh, Soundgarden. He, is he a nice guy? Yeah, I guess he's a nice guy. So you come into Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. This is the start of a worldwide, worldwide yeah. domination. Domination. That's right. That's right. We're going to rule the world. We're going to have a corporate headquarters on Madison Avenue in New York City. I'm going to have this giant desk and <laughs> my three people. Do you get a week? Now, how do you get paid when you're a rock star? Does Geffen mail you a check weekly or daily? Oh, uh, you just have your manager like screw money out of him. Who's you the know, my dinner's ready. Um, I, what's your name, Hobnob? <laughs> 
uh, Nard, Nard, Nardwar. Actually, could you... I'm holding up the phone. Oh, sorry, ab- oh, sorry about that there, <laughs> Mr. Chris and Nirvana. Two things first. Can you do a little lyrical sampling for the people out there in radio well, what land? Do you want me to say? Well, do some Nirvana tune, just oh, quick. okay. Uh, I, la, 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 How's that? That's pretty good. And now, can you tell me what you know about Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? He's short, and he has a funny haircut. And now introduce this next segment for you. Say, Nardwar will now ask Flea and the Heavy Metal panel some questions. Nardwar will now ask Flea and the heavy metal panel some questions. Thanks so much, um, Nirvana. God bless you, Nardwar. And keep on rocking food. And, we'll, food right and make sure that people yell at you in the audience. Right Pe- people should yell what at you? Whatever. Uh, peace pop microdot. No, what about, okay. no, that's not true. You're supposed to yell what? Uh, 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 woo-hoo, rock on, dude. No, that's not what you said before. People are supposed to yell what at you? Uh, 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 what's your home phone number? No, um, they're supposed to yell, um, Someone's in your van. I gotta really go, man. They're eating, and I'm. You, you're supposed to say, supposed to yell, "Fuck you!" At you. You said that earlier. Who oh, said sorry. that? Oh, why no. are you putting words in my mouth? No, 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 I don't no, no I'm sorry. This shit. You know what? You, why, don't you just, why don't you just? Why don't you just fuck off and die? Oh, that. Thank you. Flee. Flee. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. That was an interview with Chris Novoselic from March 8th, 1991 on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Coming up, an interview from January 4th, 1994 with Chris Novoselic, Courtney Love, and Kurt Cobain. And after that, an interview from May 20th, 1999 with Chris, Chris Novoselic. And then lastly, coming up, a live interview in about an hour with Chris Novoselic phoning into the Nardwar, the Human Radio Show. If you have any questions for Chris about any of these interviews or his life story, at Nardwarmy on Twitter. Yes, we are trying Twitter. www.twitter.com slash Nardwar. Send me any questions you have or you can phone in live 604-822-2487 604-UBC-CITR All this is because Chris is in town today promoting BCSTV Single Transferable Vote. He's appearing tonight for free at the UBC Robson Square Theatre C300 at 7.30pm. Here is Nardwar to Human Survey versus Chris Novoselic, Courtney Love, and Kurt Cobain backstage at the Pacific Coliseum on January 4th, 1994. Hello, Kurt. Hello. Fuck you! Isn't it? Uh, and we're backstage here, right? It must have to be that way. Do you, do you admire, um, what's his name, Geraldo Rivera? Geraldo Rivera. Actually, I waited for that tomb to open. Kurt, don't. Yeah, I did too. Oh, oh, no. Oh, oh, did that actually get on the... I thought you were going to just do it on cassette. I did, uh, wait a second. Well, uh, we always come together. Well, we, we take the audio, but... Do you have my audio going to be the have you ever heard of, do you admire, um, Dr. Demento? Yeah, yeah, he's... 25! Ow. Uh, I, I just Kurt, said that I thought he was really annoying at first, but now I like him. Remember Pencil Neck Geek? He grew on me. Yeah. Zachary actually was cooler. Ever to Zachary? Back when I was a kid, life was going <laughs> swell. Going swell. So something happened and blew everything to hell. Is that case, Dad? My daddy came in all pale and weak and said the woman in the block is a universal geek. 
So, Kurt, um, I wait outside. How was the Toronto show? How did that go? Because I was in Toronto at that time when you played at Maple Leaf Gardens. Don't say that I'm making any kind of ethnic stereotypes. I'm not making any stereotypes because they're not PC. <laughs> Do you remember that show at all, Kurt? No. <laughs> Maple Leaf Gardens in November? Mm, that was, um... I remember that with the little backstage. It was, it was a nice temperature because I think it was an ice hockey rink. Yeah, it was Maple Leaf Gardens. And um, I waited outside, you know, for a couple hours afterwards, waiting for you guys to leave. How did you eventually leave? My limousine and cop escort. Did you leave pretty early? Because, like, they brought out, you know, the prop, the prop out, and, you know, you kept, I kept on waiting and waiting. And then I saw a little minivan pull out, and I thought a guy hulked over the back seat. Was that you? Like, did you wait, like, two hours? Did you get, like, did I wait there for nothing because you'd already left? Bam, 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 we did. I just remember leaving pretty much right after the show, within about 20 minutes or so. I met one of the guys from the kids in the hall, Scott. That's right. We were mingling with famous people. They never talked to hacks like you. Fuck no. And what they were on TV every in. night on Comedy Central and on the Canadian TV, and they know Lauren Michaels. We, I got to meet Lauren Michaels and Don Pardo <laughs> and everybody because we're famous people. During the 1960s, Kurt, that was a big punk scene, as you realize, in Northwest. You know, the, the, the Sonics, the Whalers. The, I hate the Sonics, they're stupid. The, the Bootmen, mm -hmm. the Whalers and all those other bands. And I was reading that um, your good friend Jesse Reed, his dad played in a surf band that released a surf record. That's true. Isn't that weird that he... How do you know What were that? they called? Where did you read what, that? It was called the Bagpiper. What was the name of their... Where did you read that? Uh, come as you are. The Beachcombers. Come as you are? Oh. What do you mean come as you are? The book? Yeah. The Michael Azarad. Mm. He's obsessed with Jesse Reed. Because the Beachcombers, so it was... A, cause they, were they pretty cool? I thought, like, I love those 60s wailing frat garage bands in Northwest. No, I didn't have much taste. Was it was pretty generic. Again? He's a born again now. the house? Yes, he did. He tried to revive me for a while. He also said in that book that your uncle Chuck was in a garage band too, and he released records, or did he release anything? No. Is that Mary? Really? She put out a single. She financed herself. She's a country and western born again Christian. And my uncle Chuck was in a couple of bar bands. You know, they just played covers like Green's Clearwater. He had a Lucite drum set, and he was left handed, and he wasn't very good. Is that Chuck with the red hair? Mm -hmm. Is that Chuck that's gay? No. Oh. Is that the one that we go to, went to Christmas? That one, Chuck? The nice one. Right. With the son that has your cousin who has the other band? Although he went to jail one time for um, exposing himself. Green from Bellevue. That's his cousin's band. Did you first meet Courtney? And this is Courtney Love. Did you? I've heard, because we're here in Canada, Vancouver, BC, Canada. I heard a rumor, I think I might have read it in Interview Magazine, that Kurt and Courtney first met at a... De <coughs> at a de that's tough. That's Did you first meet at a DOA gig in Portland, Oregon? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is, there is really a Canadian connection there. <laughs> Wasn't it no means no? It was one of our shows. It was our show. It was my show. I played with DOA a couple times. I don't remember where. But, but was that so? A Canadian connection, a Canadian band, has something to do with Kurt and Courtney? Like, yes. I don't honestly. I don't remember which I show it was. I was too drunk. Me too. Do you remember your first time in Canada at all, Kurt? No. I might have been a small child. I visited some gardens. We went across on a ferry, Vancouver. Boot Shark Gardens. Right. 
when I was a small child. That's actually where No Means No are from. Mm. Sure. And the Neos, a legendary speed band. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for the Neos... Yeah, that's what I say. You have a Canadian nanny, another Canadian connection. We like uh, the BC. We don't like the rest of it so much. What is her name? What is your nanny's name? His name's uh, Mike. And his... Does he have a girlfriend? Jessica. Yeah. I think she might even been... She might be from Vancouver too, right? She's from Minneapolis. She has that fancy, uh, you know, that fancy, it's called Hit It or Quit It. She's like a riot girl person. She's like 15. Now, Chris here. Chris, come over here for a moment. This is Chris of the rock and roll band Nirvana. Now, Chris, you worked earlier in all in your life in Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. Do you realize there are no Taco Bells in Canada? Good for you. Actually, at least in BC. There's no Mexicans in Canada. Actually, there's one in Alberta. There's some in Alberta. That's right. So do you think that's contributed all to the growth of bands in BC that we do not have a Taco Bell? Is this a good or a bad thing? I don't know, man. Canada can be ethnically diverse, which is beautiful. Part of the thing and stuff, but judging... Uh, Actually, you look like a Dukabor when you put that thing on. Dukabors are awesome, man. They're awesome. Did They're you, anarchists. Did you go, are there still Dukabors around? Yeah, there are. Yeah, I, I'm really into the duo boars. They used to run around naked, and, and uh, they were from Russia, right? Yeah. And they had their anarchist colony. And was, How did they go under? I forgot. I think there was some rise and stuff. They're still going strong. And they're, 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 I'm the next duo boar messiah. So you can tell by the way I spit food out and the way it's caught in my mouth. And they're from Canada, too. Another Canadian connection. On, on page 226 of Come As You Are, uh, Michael Azizard quotes Canadian rocker Sloan. I don't know who they are. Jackie, Jackie's boyfriend, Jackie Ferry, remember? If I was your dad, I'd whip your ass. <laughs> remember the guy Jackie was the Sloan band? They're on our label. They're called the Sloan band. They're from um, Halifax. And they're quoted in your book. Are there any mistakes in the Come As You Are book? I don't know. Because I noticed on page 226, in reference to the Deep Six comp, except for the art rock you men all mix varying amounts of punk, 70s style hard rock, and proletarian heavy metal into a crude but effective musical mongrel. You men art rock? I would say so, yeah. I thought they were cool punk rock, sort of cool 60s sort of garage sonic-y. Art punk, all art punk, birthday party, scratch ass. Party was art rock. Did you ever see them live? No, I didn't. I did buy the Step a Step on a Bug note, the Dig It Baby, Dig It Baby, Dig It a whole single. The fact. That was years after they had been a band and been playing around in Seattle for a really long time. I would, I would classify them as art rock. Classic art rock. I knew they were cool, actually, when I saw Tom Price, a picture of him when he played at the Commodore, when he backed up the cramps, he had tape over one of his guitar knobs. Yeah, I thought they were cool when I saw one of them walking down an alley and I thought he was cute. And also... The Mustang. He was one of the first people I've ever saw. They Mustang. wore trench coats. There were two of them. Mm-hmm. Me and Kat were like, we should move here. That guy's cute. They were cute. Yeah, they were like cute guys and kind of cool. That's good for a scene. I think you're desperately trying to start a scene. Is that the deal? No, I just... want a scene so bad you're going to make one. You're just going to close your eyes till you get one. Is that it? On page 190... The superiority complex about this scene here. I don't think you should. No, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just saying on page 190, on page 190, the Teen Spirit in Bracket video shot for a modest $33,000. I don't know. That's what it says in the book. 
Just trying to find errors here with Kurt and Courtney. I haven't read the book. I, I've skimmed through it a few times, but I've never read it from front to back. And on page 154, the last analyzation, thank you, Kurt and Courtney, on page 154, the book says, the heavy Bonham-esque drumming that Nirvana requires... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> you know the drummer for Pansy Division is from Aberdeen, Kurt? No, I didn't know that. You know, it smells like Queen Spirit? Yeah, I had no idea. Do you have any other bands come from Aberdeen? The Melvins and Metal Church. Uh, what are the thrift shops there like? Um, they're not that great. People didn't have very good taste in the 60s and 70s. You know, usually that's the kind of stuff that I look for. No lava lamps, no cool patterned shirts or anything. Do you ever see any Farfisa mini compact organs? You know, like that quivering vibrato. I'm really desperate looking for one of those. I don't know. Maybe not in Aberdeen. Is there also surfing in Aberdeen, like at Westport? <laughs> I don't know. I've never gone in the ocean. Because apparently it has some wreck. I don't want anyone to go into the ocean. Did there. Did she dig for clams? I took for clams a few times, yes. That's going in the ocean. It's the same thing. I know you're going to like this, Courtney, but I also read in Mix Magazine. Sorry, Mix Magazine. Oh, wow, you get around. He reads more magazines than me. Well, not really. We get a free subscription at CITR Radio, and this is for CITR Radio. I buy most of the magazines I read. Actually, five ninety-five in Mix Magazine, and it said, Butch Vig was talking about the Nirvana, never mind now, and he said he sampled some guitar riffs. Is this true? I couldn't believe it. Sampled guitar yeah. riffs? What is yeah, that? Andy Wallace does that. He has like a little Macintosh, and he's got a couple like snare sounds and, and guitar sounds. Sampling guitar riffs, I don't think. Yeah, so. not riff sounds. He, I think Andy Wallace sampled a few different sounds for the drums to make them sound better, according to him. What's the idea between putting a lot behind, you know, putting a lot of mics on a drum? I know you say you don't really like the sonics totally, but I really love that sort of like one guitar. I, I, I have to admit, yeah, the sonics recorded very, very cheaply on a two-track, you know, and they just used one, one microphone over the drums, and they got the most amazing drum sound I've ever heard. Still to this day, it's still my favorite drum sound. It sounds like he's hitting harder than anyone I've ever known. And I have some good news. Don't you agree? It's amazing. I have some good news for you, Kurt. Do you know that we're the Sonics recorded audio recording in Seattle with Kearney Barton is still around and you can actually still record there? Really? The young, fresh, the young Fresh Fellows, pioneers in that sound by, you know, going at Egg Studio and stuff, they recorded a new track off their CD, their 99 Girls, right at that studio. Kearney Barton Audio, you can check it out. Like the same guy is there that recorded the Sonics. Who was born in 1842? No, he wasn't born in 1842, but I think that band Teen Generate from Japan did that. And in Japan, they don't seem to have too much vinyl, do they? Aren't they into vinyl in Japan? They're into anything classic American, aren't they? I don't know. I don't go there often. Um, Kurt, what is Geffen's position on on vinyl? Like, is it easy to release seven inches? Can you release them domestically? Not usually domestically. Only in Europe and England especially. We always, they've always offered to print vinyl for us because they know we're, we like that kind of thing. So it's been no problem. I don't think it ever will be, as long as there's at least one place somewhere that'll print vinyl, they'll still do it. Readers sold 150 copies of their vinyl in the States. 150 copies. Isn't that mm. weird? I was sort of hoping that there was like some secret Geffen plan. Like, can he actually press vinyl here? Like, you know, do the record companies have vinyl plants? Because at one time, they might, did, what, in the 70s, where did Geffen get their vinyl done? If they did it, and are those plants still around? Well, it's in Canada, isn't that the deal? It's cheaper labor. There's not one in Canada. 
Canada. Jackets. Jacket Made in Canada, a band. I think some band had their album called Jacket Made in Canada. But it's really clever. But there's no vinyl making place in Canada. Did Geffen have any vinyl places? Do you know of like any weird warehouses? No idea. Was Bleach released in North America by Geffen? Hmm, no. I think they just bought the rights for Europe just, just recently. How much did Spencer Eldon receive from the Nirvana camp? A lot. A lot. A lot. You know why? And Spencer Eldon is who? For the guy from Nirvana, right? The little baby on the cover. Oh, Spencer. Yeah. Oh, that's the guy we're going to have at dinner when he grows up. This thing. Well, yeah, the, Nirvana, the guy's from Nirvana. I don't know. It was a lot cheaper than the picture that we wanted to use. What's PA equipment like in South America? Tonight I noticed you had quite an extensive PA and it sounded, I thought, really good. What's PA? What are, pathetic what, what are, what is the PA like in South America? What are they like? What are the tech crews there like? TV. TV. <laughs> Univox. Has your, does your tech crew, has it improved your sound? You think like in South America, were they freaking out? What was it like there? I don't remember. I once heard Jacques Coke with Alice in Chains all night. I don't remember. Did you really custom design a guitar, your own special little model? Yeah. How many models were there, and can I buy one? I don't know. I don't know if it's gone into production yet. I don't know if it'll be available for the public. It's up to them to decide. But I basically just, I, well, so what I did is I took a picture of a Mustang, a Polaroid picture of a Mustang and a picture of a Jaguar, and then cut them in half and glued them together and told them to build that. So that's what it is. It's the Jag Stang. Have you ever thought of using an Echoplex? I do. That's so, that's so psychedelic furs. Well, actually, I used to call it that's so big kahuna from Girl Trouble. He uses one. I have one. And what's the neat thing about the Echoplex? Every time when you get home from the gig, you can play and hear your last note. Yeah. <laughs> So it can live on and on and on. Um, Kurt, we're winding up here. <laughs> Speaking here to Kurt Cobain backstage. Yeah. What? How about a blowjob, Ahmed? What? What, when it just conked out? Seconds ago. Are you going on television now? In the, um, I'm not sure. We like taking the audio for radio and maybe for TV someday. Unfortunately, our viewfinder is not working, so we don't even know if picture is coming through. But we're sure, we're sure hoping that it does. And as I said, we're speaking here backstage at the Forum with Kurt Cobain and the rest of Nirvana here. And I was wondering, what other bands, Kurt, have played in Argentina? Like, you played there. What was it like? And Were you one of the first bands to play there, do you know? I don't think so. I've heard that Skid Row played there. Have any other melodic punk bands played there? I do not know. We played at the Chili Peppers that night. Ever heard of the Canadian band Saga before? Yeah, I think so. Are they a pop metal band? I think they played in Argentina. Kurt, what did you think of the last Flipper LP? Eh. Okay. Bjorn again, like from Europe. Wonderful, uncanny, amazing. They looked exactly and sounded exactly like Abba. Are they better than Rain, a tribute to the Beatles? I've never seen them. They had a big center spread in a rocket. Mm. Have you ever? 
going to get Screaming Jay Hawkins to try to back you up again? We tried, but it fell through. I would like to try again. Anybody else cool that you can think you're going to bring up, bring with you and back you up? Like, I was thinking The Sweet, maybe, and get Kurt Block, the guest on guitar. That wouldn't be too hard, would it? No, or Vol Village people would be no problem. Anybody else you've been thinking of? Well, those are two that just ran through my mind. Um, no, not really. Buscocks. Buscocks. We've had some amazing bands play with us on this tour. We had um, The Boredoms, The Meat Puppets, and, gee, who else? Shawbreaker. But no Bonham or Quiet Riot or anything? Not yet. Courtney said... Playing at the Riviera Steakhouse in a couple of years. Courtney said Geffen, Kurt, made $55 million off you, and you guys... I'm quoting the Wall Street Journal. And you guys only got a million. Where did the money go? To Geffen. It's always fair. I explain that to you. It's like a white guy giving a black guy a Cadillac. I walked into David's room one day and I said, listen, man, I feel like I'm getting ripped off. And he said, look outside. There's a Cadillac for you. And I took it. And then I just, you know, just forgot all that, trying to get my royalties from him. And it turns out the fucking Cadillac was rented. Can you believe it? Um, if Nirvana has total control, Kurt, I was wondering slightly about ticket prices for gigs. Is there any way to make tickets and t-shirts universally the same, i.e. $10 to get into the gig and $10 for a t-shirt? No. Unless you're for Gauzy. Has any band ever tried that before? I mean, on a major label, you know, because you have perhaps more control over what's going on. You could maybe, because you guys are playing a cool place tonight, like a small, it's on a big coliseum. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Really. It's really expensive to bring your own PA system and lights and stuff. You barely break even. And Kurt, what was it like doing the soundtrack to the Touchables here? Hmm. The Touchables. Pretty neat. Do you know what you and Axel have something in common, Kurt? Yeah, a lot. You both sing in uh, fake English accents as he does in the Spaghetti Incident on the new UK subs track. Did you check it out? No, I haven't. Actually, sort of kicked ass. That's Guns N' Roses recording of the UK subs. Because you mentioned in your book that you actually record, or the book about you, come as you are, you some of those fake English accents. Mm-hmm. What can I say? I'm a death rocker. Have you ever thought of partying with Bill Gates at all, finally winding up here, Kurt? Is that? Bill Gates from Microsoft, partying with Bill Gates. Because, you know, who are the two newest members of the Seattle scene, Kurt? Here's a trick question for you. Bill Gates. Microsoft and Nintendo. And finally, it's Kurt. Is it under uh, Seattle now? It is. It's based on Seattle. And finally, Kurt Cobain of the rock and roll band Nirvana. If Frances Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle, who will have their revenge on Vancouver? Pete Reno. Who? I don't know. Eddie Munster. Eddie Munster. He's from Vancouver, right? Uh, Kurt? Pete Reno, I said it. Who's Pete Reno? You know. Oh, Oh, Mike Reno. That's Mike, Mike, Mike Renowski, actually. Oh, Reno's this half-retarded person that went to my high school. Sorry. And going to be on Exploitation Records? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt? Doot-doot-a-loot-doo. <laughs> Kurt? Doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Shut Sorry. Oh, Kurt, can we get you to a station ID just quickly, just one? Just for CITR? Just one so I can, just, just one, just for fun? Station ID, Kurt, just CITR radio? CITR, CITR radio. And who are you? Nardwar's cousin. Which, do you say I'm Kurt and you're listening to CITR radio? I'm Kurt and you're listening to CITR radio. I'm Kurt Cobain and you're listening to CITR radio? Yes. 
No, you're not. Bye. Okay. Thank Bye. Is everything okay? Courtney? And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarty Human Survey Radio Show. That was an interview with Chris Novoselic, Kirk Cobain, and Courtney Love from January 4th, 1994 at the Pacific Coliseum. Before that was an interview with Chris Novoselic from March 8th, 1991. Coming up right now is an interview from May 20th, 1999 with Chris Novoselic. And right after that, we're going to have a live interview with Chris Novoselic, who's in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, tonight speaking about single trans transferable vote at the UBC Robson Square Theatre, C300, and that is at 7.30 p.m., and that is free to BCSTV with Chris Novoselic. Also tonight, just in case you're wondering, Mongrel Zine is having their big zine launch at the Cobalt with the Famines from Edmonton, the Manipulators, the Time Cops, and Los Malos at the Cobalt tonight. Mongrel Zine launch with the Famines, Manipulators, Time Cops, Los Malos at the Cobalt. So coming up. Right now, an interview with Chris Novoselic from May 20th, 1999. And in a brand new interview, we're going to do live. Chris is going to phone into the Nardwar Human Serviette radio show. If you have any questions for Chris, you can email me, nardwar at nardwar.com, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. Twitter me, nardwar.com slash Twitter. Just do it at nardwar type thing. Or phone in, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. So here we go back to May 20th, 1999, when Chris Novoselic was in town at the Blinding Light Theater promoting his movie, L7, The Beauty Process. Who are you? Who, 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 who? I'm Peter Townsend. Who am I? Well, that's an interesting question. I think everybody should ask themselves at one point in their life, like, who they are, you know? Who are you? What are you? Where have you been? Where are you? And where are you going, right? So... My name is Chris Novoselic, and I live in uh, Seattle, Washington, and uh, I'm trying to have as much fun as possible. You love monks, don't you? You love chanting. You love monks, don't you, Chris? Because in your new film you've done, The Beauty Process, there's some monks there, aren't there? Well, I don't know if I love monks, man. Um, Monks, yeah. Well, that's just kind of a... That was just an aesthetic consideration, you know, the whole monk uh, aesthetic. And uh, I should probably just go on this musing about monastic life and the mendicants and, you know, uh, flogging yourself and depraving yourself. And you're looking very monkish now with the light and the hat, Chris. Really? Yeah, this is my monk hat. It's, um, I've uh, renounced... uh, Everything. When did you first meet L7? Because you're here in Vancouver to help promote your brand new movie, your directorial debut, whatever the word is, directorial debut. When did you first meet L7, the beauty process? I met L7. I kind of met him in 1988 or 89 in uh, Los Angeles. And then uh, Nirvana did a tour of the UK with L7 back in uh, 1989. Nirvana was a headliner and L7 was the uh, opening band. And they... Uh, they just came off a tour from the continent, and um, the people who rented them their equipment said Nirvana wasn't supposed to use the, their equipment because of the reputation we had. So first thing I did is I walked up to the bass player, and um, uh, Jennifer at the time, and I said, hey, can I borrow your bass amp? <laughs> and she lent it to me. 
and in return you've made this movie. Well, down the road, you know, in 10 years, it just kind of happened. In return, yeah, you know, I was in Sweet 75, was opening for uh, L7, and... I just brought this camera along and this film materialized, you know, it just kind of happened. What's really interesting is Nirvana did pretty good through major labels. You did pretty good, but L7 and Sweet 75 haven't done as good through major labels. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like the crap wheel. It's just, uh, <clears throat> I don't know what to tell you. I think there's a pretty long explanation and a analysis of the situation for the respective bands and it has to do with you know personalities and promotion and the mechanisms of the music industry and how those personalities and their access to promotions can make an impact on a band's career and uh I don't know if we have the time for that kind of analysis. You know, I had to have a chalkboard out or like a grease board with a grease pencil and have all these equations, you know, Nirvana plus expectations plus Christ equals, you know, this or that. It was just like, those just, I could have a whole formula, like some kind of like, you know, math, physics professor thing. I can have it all, you know, minus, you know, this equals, you know, where I go. I'm sitting right here talking to you in Vancouver today. What were the expectations of Sweet 75? Like, why were, were you guys dropped from Geffen? Because I find that incredible, you know, thinking about your track record being in Nirvana. No, we're not. We're, st- we're on Interscope Records now. We were on uh, Geffen, and now we're on Interscope, and um, I guess it's all it's all mindset, really, and, and uh, God, I don't know how I could even start. Like, shouldn't they be taking care of you, Chris? How... Oh, God. <laughs> That's a good question, and I've asked that question, but you know, like Geffen Records that Sweet 75 dealt with doesn't exist anymore. So what does that tell you, right? How are L7 screwed by major labels? You asked the right questions, the tough questions, too, and you're not pitching any softballs. This is direct journalism at its best, and I'm commending you on it. You know, so how was L7 screwed? L7 was screwed because... I don't know. Maybe it was something that had to do with gender. And then if you're in a, in a if you're a woman in rock, you gotta be soft and and uh, and nice. And because uh, they were on a couple labels, and wasn't one of the labels they were on actually trying to sue them now? Like they're trying to sue the label, but the label's trying to counter sue them. I haven't heard anything like that. And even if I did know about it, I think it'd be inappropriate to comment on it. Was there any kind of any kind of particular thing that you kind of learned from L7 when doing your film, The Broody Process, that you kind of revealed, you found out, you know, art and commerce, like what, what was there anything that they said, perhaps, that, you know, was new to you? Well, it was like a shared experience, and that's like in the end of the film, is when the devil is there, and the devil's laying it all out, it's a struggle between art and commerce, right? Because you've got to keep the plate on the table no matter how bad you feel. And, you know, songs make us laugh and they make us cry, but that stuff ain't got no place on the bottom line. And speaking of lines, you ladies signed on the dotted one, so that's about taking responsibility for what you did. You know, you signed on to the major label. You know, you went this major... You went the mainstream route, and it's a volatile world, you know? It's... it's uh, Some stuff hits, and some stuff doesn't hit. You know, like Nirvana was... You know, I believe was a very quality band, and it had a lot of mainstream appeal, too, and that's kind of a... That's what makes Nirvana so... Uh unique, I think. And what about, like, people, Dave, you know, Nirvana kind of is over, and he's, like, next thing you know, playing drums for Tom Petty. Yeah, God bless him. You know, I'm a Tom Petty fan, and I'm sure there was a mutual respect there, music, musicmanship. Were you jealous at all, Chris? Like, were, did you have any offers from anybody to play with any, I mean, just ridiculous ones, because I know Eddie Van Halen, didn't he once want to jam with Nirvana? 
No. Um, yeah, well, that's a whole other story. Well, some people offered some stuff, but I don't know. I'm just kind of like a homegrown guy. Just going back to the whole uh, major trip is... Um, I don't know. It seems kind of draining. It seems, you know, it didn't, look what happened in Nirvana. It didn't really work out for Nirvana, did it? And so why is it, should it work out for me in, in the long run, right? Well, it's nice you've been able to help out other bands and that you've been able to make this movie, L7, The Beauty Process. What was the camera that you used for this movie? Was it like a sound, eight millimeter one? Exactly, yeah. And I think L7 helped like me. this is film. This is film, right. Well, and to just go back on, on a statement you made, is L7 helped me make this film too because they, they've got great music and they look great and they sound great and they got good tunes and you know I love them to death and so it was you know a collaboration as far as that goes and the camera I use is just this old super 8 millimeter film camera before video came along and kind of wiped all that whole scene out it was a sound super 8 camera and you can almost still get sound super 8 film but it's, it's Kodak has discontinued it so it's pretty rare yeah because see a lot of people shooting in black and white no color um, you know basically no sound but it's neat to see you actually using a sound 8 millimeter camera yeah you know and that's why a lot of the sound on the film is not as, uh, as professional sounding as people are used to because of the sound quality quality of the microphone and the f- and you're getting a putting a magnetic uh, signal on a piece of film you know <laughs> who are your co-conspirators in murky slough and what is murky slough well who are your co-conspirators on the movie who helped you out there like there's some names like adam wade and brian brown yeah those guys were in the film Adam Wade was drumming for Sweet 75 at the time, and um, Brian Brown, he's a singer in Bluebird, this band out of L.A. He's is that the one with Chip and Tony Kinman? I was, oh, Bluebird. Aren't, are they like a Revelation straight-edge band? No, they're not. They're kind of, they're a rock band. You Does know? he have a girlfriend named Cecil Siskel? No, his girlfriend's Danita Sparks. Oh, okay, because I just remember there was a band called Bluebird from L.A., and I know this girl called Cecil, Nerdy Girl, and she said she married some guy because he was a Canadian, and he was in a band called Bluebird. I think it was Bluebird. I was thinking of Blackbird. That was one of the bands I was thinking of with Chip and Tony, but okay, no, he was the drummer then? Adam was a oh, drummer. Adam was a drummer. Okay. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> Brian Brown, yeah. You know, they, I just approached them. I need a person in the film, and... You know, you want to do the script. Everybody wants to make a film. Everybody wants to be in a film. And so that's what the beauty process is all about. You know, Aaron and I over there, we edited it and Drake came into it. This whole... <laughs> no, you're wondering what Nirvana did. Well, I think you also helped destroy major labels in a way. You know, you actually did that, Chris. How do you figure? Well, you guys hit and then a lot of bands fell down. Like, I remember, Chris, where I was when I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit on Beach Avenue in Vancouver, BC, Canada. My friend, actually, Paul, had driven all the way down the Cellophane Square in Bellingham and bought the single and played it on his radio show and I remember exactly where I heard it but I later on did an interview with Janie Lane of Oh, a Janie Lane of, of uh, Poison. Of no, War? No, of, of War? No, no, War? War? Um, Chris? I know who that po- um, Warrant Pie. Yeah, Warrant Janie Lane of Warrant I'm like, Janie Do you know where you were When you heard Smells Like Teen Spirit? And he did Exactly He was on Melrose Avenue Driving there And uh, right after that You know, pretty much They got dropped from a record label So you've helped destroy Record labels well, By being in Nirvana I don't think We destroyed record labels I think What happened with Nirvana Was that it kind of reinvigorated It did reinvigorate the music industry And if you look at the the signing spree of the 90s How many bands do you know? I mean, it wasn't really a big deal for Where's Paw? Remember that band Paw? 
I don't remember Pa. That's what I want to know. Where's Pa? They were like this big talked about thing. But I mean, Nirvana did pretty good signed to major labels, and you helped destroy some major labels by like... I agree with you. I don't think we destroyed major labels. Oh, but I mean, what I mean is it was funny. You brought these bands down. You helped bring these bands down. Here's the deal. In like 1917, in Russia, there was a revolution, right? And the people who brainstormed that revolution fell to the wayside. Like Trotsky got an ice pick in his head, and you know Lenin, he dropped dead, right? And so who took over? It's like Joseph Stalin did. But then they didn't have a CMC record company to bring them back from the grave, because all those bands like Warrant and uh, Slot are all on CMC. They've had a chance to come back from the grave. Yeah, or, well, yeah, or, you know, some revolutionary out in the hill, up in the hills would be into, you know. How about you personally? Like, uh, I found it really interesting that, like, Duff, you had that kind of, why did they ever run in with Duff? Like, he's an ex-punker. He was, like, in the fastbacks and the farts. We've made up. But, like, why would he ever want to do anything? Like, I would think he would be on your team, though, initially, you know, when you had that little run-in with him a few years ago. We were both drunk. It was chemical abuse, substance abuse. It was the alcohol talking. Did you ever see Kurt get beat up by anybody? Oh, totally. <laughs> but I, I intervened. Yeah, I've been, you know, a few scraps. and I never saw him get beat up because, you know, you don't, nobody should just watch somebody get beat up because you should, no matter who it is, you should intervene and say, hey, we, you know, can't have this kind of violent situation. So. I always thought it was fascinating that the Ramones played Aberdeen. Did you know anybody that actually saw the Ramones play Aberdeen? God, I, you know, I missed that show. I went, I saw uh, Robin Trower in Aberdeen, but I missed, and I went and I brought my Bridge of Size record and he signed it. And he played that song, Bridge of Size. And, uh, but I missed the Ramones because that was way before my time. Do you know anybody that actually saw the Ramones? Like, did they actually play Aberdeen? And why would they play there? Well, you know, if somebody booked it, maybe it sounded romantic or they had a day off or something like that or they got a good guarantee. I don't know why they would do it. Why not do it? You know, there's people there. People want to rock out. And I know somebody who went through that show is Kurt Vanderhoof from the Lude. and um, Metal, Metal Church. Yeah, Metal Church, yeah. What about Chris Freeman from Pansy Division? Because he grew up. He's the uh, bassist of Pansy Division. He actually grew up in Aberdeen. He might have been a bit older than you, but do you ever come in contact with him or do you ever hear stories about Chris from Pansy Division? Because he grew up in Aberdeen too and he's in the ultimate queer core band Pansy Division who covered Smells Like Queer Spirit. Yeah, I remember. I saw that single and I was, I was pretty happy. You know, I was, had my blessing. And, but um, I probably recognize his face, you know. Many would. And you are Chris Novoselic in Vancouver promoting your brand new movie. Um, L7, uh, The Beauty Process, Live 10. Which is playing this weekend here in Vancouver at the Blinding Light. Yeah, how I agree with you. How crazy were you, Chris, when you lived in Tacoma? Did you party at the Goofy Goose? Did you get drunk? Let me see. What are my old haunts in Tacoma? The Goofy Goose? Well, I went to, of course, I went to the uh, um, Java Jive. And then what was that? Uh, that old, there are a couple old bars downtown. I said, go there. Oh, this um, Flying Boots with the Spur Room. I used to haunt the Spur Room. And what about that Southern Fried Chicken place? Did you ever go there? Which one? It was like one of those great southern fly chicken places in Tacoma. I don't think I was eating chicken back then. Do you remember the Goofy Goose? Because they had the great hamburgers there. I think so. Was that kind of down off of Highway 99 there in that little valley, the Nally Valley? It smells like pickles. That's where, that's where they were invented. The Na- that's, where, that's amazing. Nally Chips. Nally Chips, right. Well, you were born in Compton? 
I was born in Compton, California. Like, is this in, like, Compton, like, straight out of Compton? Compton, yeah. Now, Chris, how long did you live there? Oh, I don't know, a few months. My parents lived there, and uh, we moved to San Pedro, California, Mike Watt, and then we moved to Aberdeen, Washington, all these famous places. And Yiva, is that how you say her name, Yiva, Las Vegas? Yiva, yeah. She's from Compton, too, or she's from L.A.? Like, did your paths cross at all back then? Well, kind of. No, she was in San Pedro for a while. She's from Caracas, Venezuela. Wow. Yeah, she's from Venezuela. But she was living in L.A. too. Was she ever... Dis- no, we never crossed paths until like 1994. Did she ever see Nirvana at all? I don't think so. No, she never saw Nirvana. When you threw your bass way high up in the air that time, how hurt did you get? Oh, I had a bloody face. Yeah. So I hit my head. This is on the MTV Music Awards or something like that, right? Right. And I uh, hit my head and I just kind of like... I walked off stage and then everybody stared at me and I was like bloody and then I walked in the bathroom and I think like boys to men or something like that were getting ready to go on and they're like oh my god what's wrong with you I'm like what and I look in the mirror I'm like holy shit I was just like all bloody and then I put an ice pack on there and then some aid person came and gave me an ice pack and then I walk outside and there's Brian May from Queen with a glass of champagne and he hands it to me. I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? So I'm sitting there with the ice pack drinking champagne and Dave heard that I was in trouble and he's looking around all like, where's Chris, where's Chris? And he turns around the corner and I'm sitting there having champagne with Brian May from Queen, right? So that was a good deal. Oh, and I couldn't think of a better ending for a story. That's incredible. Was Pat Smear jealous about that at all? Because he loves Queen. Did, did he ever get to meet Queen? No, yeah, he was, man, Freddie Mercury has, has had a big impact on Pat Smear's life, yeah. And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have on the line right now? Hello, are you there, caller? Hi, Nardwar. Chris, what is you? Well, who are you? I am um, Chris Novoselic. I was a bass player in Nirvana. I, um, I played bass on the latest Flipper record. I was in some few other bands. I'm the chairman of uh, FairVote, the Center for Voting and Democracy. I'm the chairman of Wakaiakon County Democratic Party. And I have some other chairmanships I do because I'm told that I run a mean meeting. You also are DJ Kano, too, oh, yes, aren't you? I'm DJ Kano right on, on uh, Coast Community Radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been doing community radio for five years. And you're listening to CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And you were actually listening to yourself 10 years ago talking about the MTV Music Awards. And that's when I interviewed you when you were up here promoting L7, The Beauty Process, the movie. The film, yeah. The film that maybe is on DVD one day? Hopefully one of these years. (laughs) That's right, DVD. It's on VHS. And just in case people were wondering, like, what happened at the end of that interview, well, check out Nardware.com, and you can actually hear the entire interview. I cut off the interview before the very end of it, Chris Novoselic, to bring important news. Well, that you are here right now in British Columbia, Canada. You're here for BCSTV. You are live here in Vancouver doing a free gig, a free gig tonight, Chris. Right, at UBC, I'm here. I was invited up to promote the single transferable vote STV, BC, STV, and we're here to um, try to make history. And uh, as the chairman of Fair Vote in the United States, we've been passing uh, this reform. We passed it in Memphis last year, Telluride, Colorado. We passed it in Minneapolis, Pierce County, Washington, San Francisco. And uh, we want to point to the progressive thinkers 
the diverse and wonderful population of British Columbia as a model for a full-blown single transferable vote in North America that a Canadian province decided to step into the 21st century and uh, with this dynamic, competitive, and fair voting system. And you were actually at the UBC Robson Square Theatre, the UBC Robson Square Theatre, not out at UBC, but the UBC Robson Square Theatre. C300, that's tonight, May 1st at 7.30pm. So you're back in British Columbia, Canada. And I noticed you've been doing a lot of blogs, Chris. You mentioned Black Flag and stuff, but you haven't mentioned your favourite Canadian of them all, Terry Jacks and Seasons in the Sun. Oh, man. I ha- You know what happened? Like... And as DJ Kano and a music fan, I'm always like digging through the bins looking for records. And guess which record I found? My hands were trembling. I like collect political records. Like I found a, a Spiro Agnew record. I found a Golda Meir record. But when I put, found that Poppy Family record, I was so stoked with Terry Jacks. Which way you going, Billy? Do you know that tune? I do know that tune, and I also know Seasons in the Sun that you played guitar on it. People can see you playing guitar on Oh, yeah, on. Seasons in the Sun, Terry Jacks. Yeah, man, what? Terry Jacks rocks. So whose idea was Seasons in the Sun? Was that Kurt or was that you? Like, I don't remember whose idea it was. Because you've said over the years that Kurt really wasn't into the covers as much as you. Like, you knew the tunes. So are you responsible for Seasons in the Sun? I have no idea. Because this is a big deal in Canada. There's Kurt had that single when he was a kid. And he told me about the B-side, and he goes, there's a song about a dog dying called Put the Bone In. There's was, no, yes, there's no blood in bone. Something like that. And it was a B-side to Seasons in the Sun. Oh, amazing. Okay, well, I guess Terry Jacks does deserve respect then, because there's all these articles about Terry Jacks, and they always talk about how Kurt Cobain loved Seasons in the Sun. But it's he good, did. It's good that he also loved the B-side as well. Well, because that's the holistic way to do it. It's the whole... It's the whole package, man. So Chris Novoselic live here on CITR. If you have any questions for Chris, Nardwar at Nardwar.com, or you can Twitter at Nardwar or 604-822-247, UBC CITR. Chris, do you remember any of the encounters that we had over the years? March 8th, 1991. Do you remember anything from that? On the phone talking to you in 1991. I do. I got. I, you were like the 10th interview in a, in a row, and I just said, see you later, dude. And I hung up the phone. And then I talked to you after a Nirvana gig in Vancouver in, like, 93, I think it was. That was January 4th, 1994. 94, okay. And then there was the most recent interview, the most recent interview. 99, yeah, the most recent one. May 1999, although I did email you in the interim when I asked you about some footage of the No WTO combo because I'd interviewed Jello Biafra and he said that you had some footage and you kindly sent that to me to use in a Jello Biafra interview. Thank you very much, Mr. Murky Slew, for that. That was really great. What's interesting, Chris, on that January 4th, 1994 interview, I talked to you about Taco Bell, but reading stuff up on you, I found out that you actually met Buzz of the Melvin at a Taco Bell, the Taco Bell really is important for Nirvana. Well, sure, it was important for me at the time because I worked there and got a paycheck. <laughs> and you still get free stuff, apparently, no, from Taco Bell. No, I don't get free stuff at Taco Bell. You said that in an interview, that you oh, get really? free that stuff. Yeah. Baloney, then, I was just trying to be witty. This was it's a really... be witty than not to be witty. So, Chris Novoselic... Or try to be witty. <laughs> Chris Novoselic, who is to blame? Who do we blame? Like, all these people losing their jobs, United States of America. People losing homes. Detroit is bankrupt. Who do we blame? Who do we blame for this? It's time to move forward, okay? And the 
you need to you need to ask the judges and the prosecutors whose job it is to see if any crimes were broken, right? But again, there's that whole idea of like, is it too big to fail? Okay, it's like maybe we need to think about decentralized systems and and uh, uh, different approaches, more community oriented. Uh, in the manageable scale, community banks, those kind of things. So I guess it's like a everything got so centralized and so huge that they got too big to fail, right? And then in the United States, these like Wall Street and, and the Congress are virtually integrated. Okay, so Nardwar, this is where I'm going to bring it back to the single transferable vote. Okay, where you have both parties in the United States are just like. Many people in Congress are just, they're not accountable anymore because the way the district was drawn, okay? So if you have a, of a modern, sophisticated system like STV, you take the power away from the people who draw the districts and settle the elections for these incumbent politicians, and you put that power in the hand of the individual voter, okay? And that's why I'm here in British Columbia, because you need to pass single transferable vote. So you can do the blame game all you want, and a lot of Americans are complicit in it. You know, you go fighting wars, but you you don't pay for the war, and you keep borrowing, you know, subprime loans and this and that. And so there, you have to pay the fiddler now. But again, I think that if you look at economies of scale, and people are doing it with like farmers market, organic farming, and uh, people are getting connected again, and so. And people are connected through the Internet. One, one of the things I'm saying is, like, Karl Marx is like, I'm a free, free enterprise dude, right? But Karl Marx was, he said that communism was going to save the world. But it's actually communication that's going to do it, because people are getting connected all over the world. And people can connect to you. People can connect to you, Chris Novoselic. And, and more information on STV at the UBC Robson Square Theater, C300. You're going to be there tonight, right, at 7.30 p.m. talking, right, Chris? Absolutely. You're talking to the people. No, S- Are you going to be there, Nardwar? STV. STV makes me think of SSD, because you love SSD Control, the band SSD Control. STV, 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 SSD Control. And then it makes me think of Boston. It makes me think of hardcore United States of America, but it does go back to the 1860s, doesn't it? And I guess I was curious, wondering about STV, devote there, Chris Novoselic. Oregon actually approved this? Like, you're up here in BC trying to get people to approve STV. What's the deal about Oregon approving it way back when, and it could actually go into place if they wanted it to happen? It was approved. It was a progressive era reform. Um, Oregon was a leader in the United States of the initiative and referendum, which is a plebiscite where uh, it was a reform. There were party bosses, smoke-filled back rooms, machine politics in the legislature. So they amended the state constitution where you can have a direct vote if you get enough. There's a uh, if you get enough signatures and this and that. There's a certain procedures to do that. Okay. There's some other progressive reforms like direct election of United States senator, um, universal suffrage. Uh, 1922 women gain the right to vote in the United States. <laughs> you know, it's very recently. Well, one of the reforms was a single transferable vote. And, um, again, it was a remedy for all those, like, you know, party party machines. And uh, they amended the Oregon Constitution in the early 20th century. However, they never adopted the system. And I think that it, it gained a lot of use around the United States. Like, New York City Council used it for a long time. 
and it was always opposed by the same uh, you know, political insiders, party machines, uh, and and um, I think it's time has come because people on through the internet are used to having more choices. Association is exploding online. Political awareness is just growing, and and single transferable vote STV really reflects that, where. You get a first choice, a second choice, a third choice, or even a fourth or fifth choice. It depends on what you want to do. And then you don't have to vote for a party. You can vote for the individual. You can vote for the person and not the party. And so it's, it's a modern, comprehensive system. And, again, it takes the power away from these committees that draw their writings it puts it in the hands of the individual voter. I've been calling it STV, which is almost like SCTV, which kind of makes me think of TV, and it makes me think of the Internet as well, because I'm looking here at a Twitter question from E.E. E. Palmer to Chris Novoselic, and it goes, Hello, Nardwar. Can you please ask Chris if he still digs on the fabulous, fabulous, made-for-TV movie Cotton Candy? I don't remember Cotton Candy. Cotton Candy is like a movie, I think, with like Ron Howard or Cliff Howard. It's like a great sort of movie about a rock and roll band, Cotton Candy. I guess You know, now you st- I'm starting to remember that. That was a band called Cotton Candy. They were bubblegum pop, something like that. Yeah, exactly. It was like, sure. It was like some made-for-TV movie. I think maybe Ron Howard did it or his brother did it or something like that. Uh-huh. So that was from E. Palmer, Aaron Palmer, who I think is a punk rocker. Now, uh, I know some punk rockers that are against STV. Is STV punk? Is it punk-friendly? Why would some punker be against STV? Well, because, because punkers are traditionally against government and punkers are, 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 there's a lot of the anarchist ideology in punk rock, okay? In the, in the okay, that's why there, you see that anarchy A, the symbol's been used a lot. So I could see why punk, some punk rockers are against it, but I think punk rockers should really be for it, because the, why would a punk rocker stand with a political insider or some, you know, party boss, or, or a, a, you're basically standing with the establishment, and that's not punk rock at all. What you're standing for is is a more choices for voters and more inclusion and more fairness. And I think that's that speaks to punk principles. Chris Novoselic appearing tonight at the Robson Square Center. That's the UBC Robson Square Center Theater Three. C-300, May 1st, 2009. That's tonight, 7.30 p.m. Chris Novoselic. We're speaking here live to Chris Novoselic. Any, qu- any questions for Chris? 604-822-247, UBC-CITR, Nardwar at Nardwar.com, at Nardwar at Twitter. Now, Chris Novoselic, who is driving the Pope-mobile? This is what Jello Biafra has asked. Who is driving the Pope-mobile? We all, know, uh, we all know that Obama is in the Pope-mobile, but who's driving the Pope-mobile? The Swiss Guard. Who reaches back with the gun and then shoots? Hopefully not. That was. I it. don't know. The Pope Mobile is like a total fort on wheels, man. But who's behind the Obama Pope Mobile? I'm just curious. What is your take oh, on that? That's a, oh, you're saying that big limousine who's driving that? Like he's driving a Pope Mobile. Who's actually driving him? It's not him? a glass box where he's in a white uh, uh, gown or vestment and he's like waving his blessings at people. But it's in- a slick black ride, man. It's like a sleek mobile. It- 
Chris, you're always up on the comedy. You're always into a good time. And there's <laughs> one person, Chris, that takes comedy and music someplace that nobody has ever taken it before. And who would that person be, Chris Novoselic? Well, thank you very much. Well, Nardwar, we're going to get rolling here. Oh, I, got, I, just, I have a little clip here for you. This is your good old friend Weird Al. Do you remember Weird Al? Oh, how can I forget Weird check, Al? He's a, he's a son of an itch. Check out, check out. This is Weird Al, me asking him about the Kurt Diaries. Check this out. This is according to Kurt Cobain here. It says, Eric Clapton plays second-rate Dusty Blues Licks. And under that it says, Weird Al Yankovic is America's modern pop rock genius. What? You made it into his journals, Weird Al. Oh, that's pretty cool. His private journals. And I was perusing. I found out about Weird Al Yankovic. Little tidbits right here. Oh, Eric Clapton, in your face. (laughs) At the top of the page, Weird Al right there. Oh, yeah, look at that. It says Weird Al right there on the page. At the top. That's pretty cool. So you really didn't have too much interaction with Kurt Cobain, did you? Uh, I I talked to him on the phone, and I I hung out with him at a restaurant for about 35 seconds. uh, What restaurant, by the way? It was uh, somewhere on Fairfax Avenue in Los Angeles, one of those cool restaurants. It's so hip, it doesn't even have a name out front. Then he was there with a bunch of people, and uh, I I saw he was eating dinner there, so I didn't want to bother him, but I walked over and said, hey, Curtis, you know, Al Yankovic, and thank you for letting me do Smells Like Nirvana. And, uh, you know, it meant a lot to me, and I'll, you know, I'll do anything you want me to do to to show my appreciation and he basically said just polish my fingernails and I did I just polished the fingernails of the table and he was very happy do you remember that at all Chris Novoselic no you don't remember Weird Al polishing Kurt's fingernails at all no have you talked to Weird Al at all do you remember that encounter no I never talked to Weird Al have you seen those diaries that are all put together no all this, I haven't because it's like Weird Al was oh, fre- I want to read them Weird Al was freaked out to be in there he loved that he was in there and I noticed now they're coming out with a Converse shoe with some of Kurt's artworks and scribbles on them how about that a Kurt shoe a Kurt shoe a kerchief, not like a kerchief, but actually kerchief. a kerchief. Did you just sneeze? Now, what about you, Chris Novoselic, appearing tonight as part of STV <laughs> at the Robson Square Media Center? Nardwar. The Robson Square Media Check Center, May first, two thousand nine. Come on out, come on down at seven thirty tonight at UBC Robson Square. I will be there. What do they're you? They're pulling me out the room now. Oh well, just a few more quick questions. This one, they're out to get me, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna split. Before you go, Chris, can we just ask you a couple quick questions? We have two email questions for you. Is that okay? Okay, quick answer. Okay, just quick. And then one from me. The first one from me is, this is what I was going to say. Do you remember prank calling Gene Simmons at all? No. Because you prank called Gene Simmons, but it wasn't actually Kurt Cobain phoning Gene Simmons. It was Steve Albini phoning Gene Simmons. I don't remember. Well, I actually asked Gene Simmons about that, and he refused. He didn't care that it wasn't actually Kurt phoning him. He said it doesn't matter. I just thought I'd throw that in there for you. And there was a question here from Waterglow. Do you still talk to Kirk Kirkwood? I haven't talked to Kirk in a long time, but I love the man. And, Chris Novoselic, we also have a question here from Andrew W.K. Do you know Andrew W.K. at all? Chris Novoselic. He's like, uh, yeah. Party hard. He's a rock dude. Now, this is a deep question. He says, Dear Andrew W.K. <clears throat> slash Nardwar. <clears throat> Chris, 15 years ago, did you ever think about what it was going to be like to have lived 15 years into the future and then... In that future state, think back to the exact moment 15 years earlier where you'd been imagining yourself 15 years down the line. That's Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry. So all I can say is beam me up, Scotty. 
And as and you, I'm going to split, and or I, it's Philip K. Dick too. Oh, and one so last. The, okay. What's happening is, is this dimension? The lines are blurring. Chris, no, it's like and one I'm last fading question. Fading into the scenery. Before you I go, shouldn't have wore a gray before shirt. Before you go, Chris. A gray Chris, wall. Chris, no, it's like seventeen years like ago. Totally in an earthquake type mode. Where we, where we. Completely surreal. Hey. I can't even the the sounds and lights. Chris Novoselic, can I please say something to you? Can I say something and to you? I see that light light on on my Chris, way out. The you tape from it. Vancouver. The tape from Vancouver. Just one last question here. A tape from August, sorry, October thirtieth, nineteen ninety one, at the Commodore. It was recently sold and bought by your lawyer. Do you think that'll ever be released and combined with video footage? Just an amazing tape of you guys playing the Commodore in Havana, October thirtieth, nineteen ninety one. Oh, really? Yeah, it was sold to your lawyer. Were you going to maybe combine that with video footage? Are you aware? It's a great tape. Do you remember the gig? October 30th, 1991, the Commodore Mudhoney opening? And that's where Kurt Cobain was on his head. Yeah, captured by Charles Peterson, by I think. That's a famous yeah, Commodore. But I'm going to split, Nardwar. Well, thank Will that be released at all? Will that be released, that I tape? I don't know. Okay, well, thanks so much, Chris Novoselic. Keep on rocking the free world and do do the loop. Oh, yeah, keep on rocking the free world. Oh, do you know? I'm Russian. Dershne rocking Uslobodny Svet. Do you know Wesley? Uslobodny Svet, yeah. And do you know Wesley Willis at all? Wesley Willis. The artist Wesley Wills on Jello's label. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a song called Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. We're going to end with that. Well, thanks so much, Chris Novoselic. And do do the loot, do. Do do. All right, let's rock it to Russia. Kurt Cobain was a rock singer for Nirvana. He rocked the United States by flying all over the country and playing that rock and roll. Here's a good singer. Here's my rock star. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Nirvana's 1991 Nevermind album, which has sold more than 10 million copies, turned Kurt Cobain into a spokesman first generation. It is a matter with which he was never comfortable. He can really rock like a magic kiss. He can really play that rock and roll. Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain.
Go, Chris. Goodbye, my friend. It's hard to doubt when all the birds are singing in the sky and all the flowers are everywhere. Pretty girls are everywhere. Think of me, and I'll be there. Goodbye, Papa. Please play for me. I was the black sheep of the family, and I don't know all his words. I had Bobby Turks. With my BB gun, I would kill birds. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. Up the hills, every flat, where the seasons out of time. All our lives, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. Up the world, every heat, where the starfish on the beach. Goodbye, Michelle, my little one. I was the apple of the sun, sun, and I remember her weeping. All my tears are salty. I think now I will start to weep. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. On the hills, every time we're the seasons out of time. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. Up a hill, on the beach, we're just selfish on the beach. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. Up the hills, every climb, we're just seasons out of time. Fell in joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. Up the stars that we reach, we're just selfish on the beach.
Did you ever meet him at all? Kurt and I spoke before he died, but we never met. But he did cover, Nirvana did cover Do You Love Me on a Kiss tribute record, but that's as much as I know. I heard that you did actually speak to him, that it was Steve Halbini pretending to be him. Do you have any verification that it really was, Kurt? No, but it doesn't matter. Because I heard that like, him and Steve were teasing you about doing a duet with you or something like that. Yes, I was calling around to every group in the world putting together a Kiss tribute album called Kiss My Ass. And I absolutely called Nirvana as one of the bands. But if it was Albini or some other guy, so what? Police, they have come for your uncool 